Uh, I want to invite us to turn in our Bibles uh, to the book of Mark. We're in the series called Jesus, Our Servant Savior, as we're thinking about and looking at the gospel of Mark. And uh, if you have a, a Bible with me, you might want to find uh, Mark chapter 1. Uh, and then uh, in, in the Pew Bible, uh, the passage we're going to read is on uh, page 1002, if you'd like to follow along uh, as I read. So let's, uh, let's begin by reading the scripture together, Mark chapter 1 and beginning with verse 21. They, that is Jesus and the disciples, went into Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. And would you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here among us today. You have said, Lord, yourself, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we welcome you here today, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to understand the scripture and to hear what you want to say to us today, just as you opened the hearts of the disciples, even on the way to Emmaus after your resurrection. We pray, Lord, that you would show up here today among us. We trust that you are here. We trust that you want to speak, and we trust that you want to change our lives through your word. Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I had the joy of leading a family member to Jesus uh, about a week ago. Uh, we're talking about leading folks to Christ, and it was my joy to lead one of our family members uh, who's 15 years old to the Lord. And um, we'd been reading the Gospel of John together, and uh, so the Holy Spirit had just really prepared Julia to open her heart up and invite Jesus into her life. And after we'd prayed together, I said to her, Julia, you now have everything you need to share the good news 
with someone else. You have the scriptures, you have the Holy Spirit, you have a supportive Christian community, a family and friends around you. And Julia, with tears streaming down her face, hugged me and thanked me. And I wanted to encourage her with the truth that the authority that has been given to her is the same authority that Jesus came with into the synagogue that Sabbath day. The power of the Holy Spirit given to her as a believer in the Lord Jesus to share the good news of Jesus with other people. You know, there's an unfortunate anemia that afflicts many of our churches today, and I believe it has to do with a lack of appreciation and understanding and receiving the kind of power and authority which we have been entrusted as believers. The church is in its essence this, the presence of Jesus among his people who are called out to be a spiritual family on mission with God on this planet. Every word in that little definition is important, but today I want, because of the text, I want to emphasize that first phrase, the presence of Jesus among his people. What changed the dynamics in the, of the synagogue on this particular Sabbath was that Jesus showed up. Mark uses his typical shorthand style where he says, uses almost the word immediately three times. Just as soon as the Sabbath came, Jesus went in and, and began to teach. As soon as the Sabbath came, just then, another use of that word, a man with an unclean spirit spoke up. And right away, after this miraculous uh, deliverance from this demon possession, the news spread about Jesus. And Mark repeats twice that people were amazed at the authority of Jesus. When Jesus shows up, my friends, things happen. You see, the church can do many things and take many forms. We can simply be a house church movement, or we can meet in special buildings like this one. We can have clergy or not have clergy. We can have ordinances or sacraments, as they're called in other churches. We can be liturgical. We can be charismatic. But there is one thing that we cannot be without and still be the church. Jesus. You can have all of the tra traps, uh, attractions, you can have all of the accoutrements, you can have all of the programs and the well-trained leaders and still not be the church without the presence of Jesus. Without the presence of Jesus among us, we may be a Christian social club, but we are not the church. God's plan for us his church is that Jesus continues to show up by the power of his Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said that filled with the Holy Spirit, his followers would have the authority, the power 
to testify about him. Even when we're weak, <laughs> even when we're weak, Jesus can show up. I have a pastor friend in Iceland who I, I was just with a couple of weeks ago who uh, several months ago was to preach on Sunday after his daughter had just had a late-term pregnancy miscarriage. My pastor friend and his wife were so decimated and devastated by this because it was their first grandchild and his daughter had had difficulty with carrying the child all through her pregnancy. They'd prayed, they'd asked God to heal and help and deliver this child, but she had a miscarriage. My friend Gwydni stood up in church to preach and he started to weep. He started to cry. He said, I can't go on. And then something amazing happened. <laughs> the church members started gathering around him and his wife and prayed for them. And in that moment, my friend Gwydni began to pray himself, a powerful prayer. And he prayed for a number of people in the church that were going through difficulty and people that were sick and, and needed healing. And miraculously, one of the people he prayed for in that church service experienced a miraculous healing. Out of weakness flows power. Paul, God's word to the Apostle Paul, who was dealing with his own affliction, this thorn in the flesh that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians, he was told by Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. When Jesus shows up in the power of the Holy Spirit, whether we're weak or not, wonderful, wonderful, amazing things happen. At that, and that same Jesus, my friends, who was in the synagogue in Nazareth, who was with the early church on the day of Pentecost, who showed up at my friend Gwydni's church that Sunday, that same Jesus is with us today. Amen? To the very end of the age, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you. See, I'm with you. To the very end of the age. He's with us today. The text says, by the way, that people were amazed at Jesus' authority as he taught them. It says that twice. First of all, they were amazed at his teaching because it had authority, not like they were used to with the teachers of the law. And then they discovered it had even more authority than they thought when he cast out the impure spirit. Now, authority is a term that we need to define. We're used to thinking of authority in terms of coercion, okay? People in authority, like the government, like the police, even parents sometimes, and unfortunately sometimes even in the church, forcing people to do things they don't want to do or they'd rather not do. But there's another kind of authority. It's a spiritual authority. It's the authority of presence. Of Gandhi, the great revolutionary leader of India, someone has written about Gandhi. He held no office. 
and any who obeyed him did so voluntarily. His only claim to leadership was, listen, the force of his own soul. Jesus had this kind of authority in his teaching that was demonstrated in his works. He had authority because of the force of his own life that demonstrated the very presence of God. His authority compelled people to respond, but didn't force them to. Jesus taught them, it says here, as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. You see, friends, teaching and preaching is not just intended to be an intellectual exercise. Sometimes I wonder if we as evangelical believers are not over-educated. As one of my friends says, educated beyond our obedience. Maybe we need to hear fewer sermons. <laughs> I have a friend who says that he thinks we ought to preach fewer sermons. We maybe ought not to preach another sermon until people have had a chance to apply what they've already heard. Fewer sermons? Perhaps. But let's explore this story a little bit more from the standpoint of Jesus' authority. First of all, let's look at the authority of the servant Savior, the servant of the Lord, who comes with the authority of God's good news behind him. We read in chapter 1 and verse 1 of Mark, again, we looked at this several weeks ago, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Do you know, Mark is coining a new term here. He's, he's giving the world a new kind of literature. This is not just a story about the life. This is not just the biography of someone that Mark is telling us about here. There were other biographies. There were other histories that were being written. This is the gospel. This is a message that Mark and Matthew, and Luke, and John are sharing with people in order to elicit a response. The gospel is a missional term. When we read down in verses 14 and 15 of Mark chapter 1, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, the gospel. The time has come, he said, repent and believe the good news. The gospel is a missional idea. It was the mission of Jesus that impelled him to move to Capernaum, call the fishermen, and enter the synagogue. And the mission of Jesus, the servant Savior, is one that both saves and delivers people, but also, notice, disturbs people and disrupts the status quo. The gospel, some of us have learned to share the gospel. We were just talking about that this morning. But the gospel in its essence is about the person of Jesus Christ. When he is here, when Jesus is here, the good news is here. And this is what people sensed immediately about Jesus' teaching. And they were astonished and even alarmed by his gospel. Now, friends, don't suppose 
that introducing Jesus to people is always going to get a positive response. It's not. Because introducing Jesus may cause disturbance. It may disrupt the status quo. It may elicit negative feedback from people. It may not make the conversation easier. It might make it harder. Someone has said that Christ comes to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Let's please keep the gospel about Jesus. Your opinion about religion, your opinion about politics, your opinion about theology is not the power of God for the salvation of people. My ideology, my convictions about morality and ethics will not give people the authority to become the children of God. Only Jesus, the servant savior, the good news personified, can give people what they truly need for a life that is worth living. I mentioned my, my friend Julia, our family member who received the Lord. Do you know what she said to me as she was beginning her spiritual journey? She said to me, Avi, it's the word for grandfather. She's my granddaughter. She said, ah, we went for a walk, and she said, Avi, I know that I could be rich. I know that I could have lots of friends. I know that I could have a good job. But without God, I'd be empty. I'd be empty. She sensed in herself a void that only God could fill. Only Jesus can fill that void. My friend, being a Christian is all about being a friend and learner of our servant, Savior, Jesus, and learning to share the message about him. Secondly, I want us to see that Jesus, the servant of the Lord, has come with an authority that comes from true humility. He silenced the impure spirit. Remember? The man said, what are we to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus told him to be quiet. The word for impure here can also mean vicious. This demon was challenging Jesus to prove himself so that hopefully the demon could gain control over Jesus. But Jesus didn't need to prove himself. <laughs> he knew who he was and why he had come. He had come for the very purpose of confronting Satan and stripping him of his power. Jesus is the servant of the Lord that Isaiah speaks of. He's not about making a big show. The word from Isaiah is a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out, it says in Isaiah 42. He's gentle and lowly, yet the suffering servant is purposeful as well. He has come to bring forth justice, to deliver people from their afflictions, to save us from not only our sins, but sometimes even from ourselves, and to teach us a better way to live. 
You know, it's remarkable, isn't it? And we'll read this as we read on in the Gospel of Mark. It's remarkable how many times Jesus tells people not to say anything about him. He heals people. He says, now don't tell anybody. He casts out a demon. He says, now don't. He says, be quiet. Why? So humble. It's almost like he's trying to keep it a secret that he's the Messiah and the Savior of the world. Why such humility? Because that's the very nature of God. God wants a relationship with us, my friends, that's based on love and based on coming to know who God truly is. God wants to know you. He wants you to know him. Jesus, the Son of God, wants friends and learners of his, not fans or groupies. Not superficial love, but deep, true love that's based on intimate acquaintance with him. The good news is, friends, Jesus doesn't come with haughtiness or arrogance. He doesn't force himself on people. He comes with humility and a sense of dependence on God. But that doesn't mean he doesn't come to speak the truth. The gospel comes with humility, but it doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth or confront powers that would control or harm people. Jesus, our servant Savior, has come to seek and to save the lost and break the power of the enemy in people's lives. Please let us not lose sight of this as followers of Jesus. Let's drop our arrogance and, and, and this thing that we, where we feel like we've got to be perfect and we have to pretend to be what we're not. In humility, dear Christian friends, let us depend on the authority and power of the Holy Spirit as we seek to live for Jesus and tell other people about him. Let's rely on him our servant Savior, to use us in bringing the good news of salvation and deliverance to those around us. Someone has said, Christians are simply beggars who tell other beggars where they can find food. And that's what we are in the way of our servant Savior. I also want us to notice, finally, that Jesus, the servant of the Lord has come with an authority that compels a decision. I mentioned that that word amazed appears twice here in this story. And amazed carries with it the concept of fear. How Jesus taught and what he did in his teaching provoked astonishment, the kind of astonishment that even raised alarm. It was the same kind of feeling that the disciples must have felt when Christ calmed the storm on the Lake of Galilee. Remember that? He said, peace, be still. And all of a sudden, his disciples were afraid. They said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him. When Jesus shows up, something happens that's otherworldly, maybe even disturbing, maybe even frightening, astonishing. It's what C.S. Lewis calls the sense of the numinous. 
Lewis writes in his book, The Problem of Pain, if I were to tell you that there is a tiger in the next room, that would produce a certain kind of fear. But if I were to tell you that there is a powerful spirit in the next room, that would elicit a different kind of fear. When Jesus is in the room, people tremble and yet are comforted at the same time. When Jesus shows up, we see clearly that love and truth, law and grace, righteousness and peace can and do exist in the same person, our servant Savior, the Lord Jesus. The terrifying truth, Christian friend, is that Jesus loves us. <laughs> Why is it terrifying? Because, listen, the Lord Jesus will not rest <laughs> until he conforms you and me to his own image. <laughs> and he'll do whatever it takes to accomplish that purpose. He'll even use pain and difficulty and stress and problems that we can't solve to move us more and more into the image of himself. The authority of Jesus comes with an invitation to decide. It compels a decision but doesn't force a decision. The authority of Jesus brings us to watershed moments in our lives. Remember the questions that Jesus asked people? Do you want to get well? <laughs> what a question to ask of a sick person. Do you want to get well? Do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus asked the blind man after he'd healed him. Do you believe in the Son of Man? I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said to Martha and Mary. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Watershed moments because of the authority of the Lord Jesus. When we meet Jesus, when we see what he does, and we hear his teaching, the very meeting compels us to decide whether we want to change or stay where we are. Whether we want to acknowledge our need or pretend like we don't have any. Whether we want to follow or will we walk away. Whether we will believe or disbelieve. What will you and I do with Jesus today? The church, as I mentioned, is the presence of Jesus among his people, called out to be a spiritual family on mission with God on this planet. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up and get ready to lead us in a closing song. Um, but as they're coming, we believe that Jesus is here in this place, <laughs> in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I believe this teaching would not be complete today without giving us an opportunity to respond. 
The gospel, the very person of Jesus, calls for a decision regardless of where we are on our spiritual journey. The gospel's about Jesus and his mission in the world. And perhaps there's something in your life from which you need to be delivered in order to fully engage in God's mission. Maybe there's a need that you have for prayer. Maybe you're facing a difficult decision or maybe there's a sickness or or, or a problem from which you need to be delivered today. Maybe God is asking you whether you're willing to accept a certain ministry that he's calling you to or not. Maybe there's something that you just need to come and have somebody come and pray with you about. And we're going to give you that opportunity this morning. We don't normally do this in this church, I know that, but we're going to do it today. We're going to invite you, if you would like somebody to pray with you about a particular issue, a need that you have, to come forward. Pastor Matt's going to come up and some other folks are going to come up and, uh, and uh, uh, that are willing to stand with you and pray with you. You can come up, you can, you can kneel here uh, on the steps, you can sit on the front row, you can just stand here and, uh, and let us pray for you. Um, we, we are all, my friends, the walking wounded. <laughs> we all need Jesus in our lives. And he's here today by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he wants to meet you where you are and where I am and minister to us. It might be deliverance. It might be a decision we're trying to make. It might be uh, a need of a loved one. It might be an insurmountable obstacle. The praise team is going to lead us in our, our closing song. And while, while we're singing the song, if you'd like to pray, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, please come forward. We'll wait. This is your, this is your moment with, with the Lord.